everybody. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. If you want to know more about us or connect with us as a church, then please go to our church website and we'd love to get to know you some more. But here's today's message. We hope it blesses you, encourages you and inspires you. But anyway, sorry, here we are. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 2 and, and verse 1. I hope you found it by now. Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can come in this virtual sense together. We thank you that we can look at your word. We thank you that your word always speaks to us. And we pray for your word and the Holy Spirit to come together and for you to speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favour in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take? When will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. And then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, said that. And then in verse 7, I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, so they will provide me safe contact, conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. And so I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. And when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. So there we have the reading from the, from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2 and verse 1 onwards. Now then... Let's just look at one or two of these verses. The first verse gives us the timing of this affair. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, and, and Artaxerxes. And that is important because from that timing and previous timings, 
we can work out that there were four months of praying before this request is made. Four months from the time of Nehemiah first understanding and realizing and getting a burden or passion uh, and, and feelings and sadness for the city of Jerusalem and, and for the wall that was broken down because of the sins of the people and the subsequent exile and invasion from Babylonians and, and it was a disgrace and it was a sadness and for four months he was praying and lamenting before God and then we know that it took 52 days to rebuild the wall and often in the Bible that's the case isn't it the preparation of Moses for 80 years before the 40 years of leading the people uh, out, out of Egypt through the wilderness, the preparation of Joseph before he became governor of Egypt. And this message is called an audacious ask. And it was a big ask for Nehemiah to make. He was in the, law, in the king's presence, he was the cupbearer to the king, that means that he was the top man if you like, he was the bodyguard, he would taste the wine, he would make sure the wine was okay, he had a great trust with the king needed to trust him and he was the cupbearer to the king and he is sad in the Lord's, in the king's presence. And, and actually that was quite a dangerous thing to do, to even be sad in the king's presence because in those days the king wanted everybody to be happy in their presence and in fact they believed that they were such a wonderful person that everybody would be happy in their presence. And if anyone was sad in their presence then, you know, they, they could be liable for death uh, because of the high esteem that the king had of himself you know it's a bit it's a bit like me if I if I make a joke and I expect people to laugh at it if they don't laugh at it I might be insulted uh, well you might not laugh but you might think it's a rubbish joke but <laughs> when I'm in my presence of my grandson he he just laughs and laughs and laughs I, uh, I don't know why when we do the zoom link he just laughs but anyway that's another story but here we are <laughs> the king the king expected to be people to be happy in his presence and Nehemiah is certainly not happy he's got sadness of heart he's already on the wrong side of the line so to speak he is he says I'm very much afraid but I said to the king may the king live forever why sh that's a sort of typical greeting God save the king or the queen may the king live forever why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, as we look at this, Nehemiah is taking a big risk and actually showing a lot of courage by even saying these things. 
he's being honest and that's a big thing to ask the king he's already on the wrong side of the line and he could be in worse trouble just for asking but the response that he gets from the king is favorable verse 4 what is it that you want the king said to me and so as we look at this we we have to say that this is a God-given opportunity and, and Nehemiah seizes the moment then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight let me send into the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it and there are times in life where God gives us opportunities and we have to seize the moment and so it was here a God-given opportunity. I remember when I moved from my first school to my second school where I became a teacher and uh, I hadn't really thought of even moving schools but this opportunity arose, somebody mentioned my name, I went and spoke to the head teacher, he said to me at that time, it was a good job, he said to me, you know there are times in life where you're given opportunities and you just need to take them and, uh, and that was that was one for me, and this was, this was certainly one for Nehemiah. He, he seized the moment, and what he says is he did a quick prayer to the God of heaven. A quick prayer to the God of heaven. And this is not like the long prayer that's happened in, in chapter 1. This is a, a much quicker, shorter prayer, a quick dart prayer, if you like, to heaven. And because he realised that he wasn't exactly asking the king primarily for these things, he was actually asking God for these things. The king was the channel, the practical channel of opportunity, but his ask really is from God. And so he says very quickly, you know, this is, this is what I want. And we know that he's really asking prayer in asking to God in prayer for this because chapter 1 tells us the enormous amount of prayer and fasting that's gone on before. In chapter 1 and verse 4 we read that there was fasting and mourning. In verse 5 there is a command remembering God's commands and God's promises. In verse 6 Nehemiah is talking about repentance and confession. And then in verse 9 again, the promises of God. And Nehemiah had been in his own place before God, wrestling through these things. He'd looked, he'd heard reports about the wall broken down. He'd heard reports about the devastation. He felt ashamed and sad about the sins of his people and he had been in mourning about it. It's a bit like us if we look around at the world at the moment, there's a sense in which, I believe, we should be in mourning about what's happening in many different ways, politically sometimes, certainly to do with the virus, we don't know for sure 
about the virus, where it's come from, from God allowing it, or the enemy doing it, or human beings messing up. But one thing we do know is that the virus has exposed a lot of things. Exposed people's strengths and exposed people's weaknesses, highlighting where we are as people. And in a sense, we should be mourning. We should be mourning that the world is in such a state that um, we don't always take the opportunities that we could to resolve situations that there's leaders that seem a bit out of control. In the States, I feel a great sadness about what's happening. And it's no good us trying to pretend that everything's all right when it, when it isn't all right. You know, we, we can't always look happy all the time. You see, Nehemiah didn't really look happy. He looked really sad. <laughs> And so sometimes at church we might be sad. Well, it's a bit of a shame if we're all sad all the time. That probably wouldn't be so good for people coming in. And obviously we have the joy of the Lord. But there are times for mourning. And this was one of them. Because of Israel's disgrace, because of their sins, because of the fact that God had left them and they were in exile and being punished. And Nehemiah was sorry about all this. And we should be sorry sometimes that we ourselves don't take opportunities that we should, that our society is a bit selfish, that we've gone away from Christian values so often, and there's plenty of room for mourning and repenting and saying sorry and lamenting even, as the Bible teaches us to. And Nehemiah understood also that God was a God of covenant promises. Again in chapter 1, and I'll just see if I can find it. Sorry, I keep losing it. But in chapter 1 and verse, verse 5 and verse 10 and verse 9, and he's asking God for favours on the basis that God has promised that if you come back to me and if you repent and if you turn back to me then then I will bless you again he is a generous God and so there's a lot of preparation that's gone into this big ask that Nehemiah makes and a very generous loving father that Nehemiah believes in. And we as Christians believe in the same God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is a loving father and a loving parent, and even bad fathers know how to give good gifts to their children. And how much more does your heavenly Father, who is a good father, know how to give good gifts to those who ask him? And so Nehemiah is not afraid to ask because he knows where he's asking God and he's asking the king and he's asking for big things but he knows that he's got a big God and he's asking his big God to do big things in line with what his big God wants for his people which he believes is for the city of Jerusalem to be rebuilt and eventually the temple to be rebuilt and for things to be set back to normal so that they could worship God in the holy place again. And he knew that ultimately this depended on God much more 
than him or them. Now he'd done all the right things. <laughs> he'd prayed, he'd repented, he'd mourned, he'd sought God, he'd remembered the promises of God, he'd done all those things, but now he ultimately has faith in enormous God who wants to do good things. And, and I think for us, you know, we look around at the damage in our society, we see people ill and sick, we can pray for them. We can pray for healing. We can pray for healing from the virus. We may not always see it, but we still pray. We can pray for those who mourn and those who grieve. We can pray for provision. We can pray for help. We can pray for the NHS. We can believe that God will be merciful and good and give us more than we ask for and more than we deserve and get us through this. We can pray all those things. And so I believe we should. And so this was a great opportunity to ask. And Nehemiah was asking God, as he asked the king, he was actually asking God. And as we look at this today, we've got a lot of things that we can that we can look at and learn. And, and the timing of it was absolutely correct. If it, verse 7, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. As Matt said last week, he had a plan. He had a plan that he had already knew what he wanted, maybe in those days of preparation. He'd worked it out. Uh, maybe with God he'd worked it out. He had a plan. He wanted the letter. He wanted the wood. He wanted the authority. He needed all of that. And so at the right time he seized the moment and asked for those things. And of course there was a bit of opposition from Sambiat and Tobiah who were against the Jews. And they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. And they got even more disturbed when it actually went ahead. Because, you see, the devil or the enemy tries to stop believers and tries to stop Christians and, and sometimes is not too worried if they're just planning or praying or working things out. But when they start doing things, when they start moving ahead, well, when the war started, that's really when Sambalat and Tobiah got a bit upset. And so later on in verse 18... Again, according to God's timing and Nehemiah's wisdom, he shares the vision with the, with the other Israelites. He hasn't shared it with them yet. He hasn't told anybody yet. It's between him and God and the king and getting the resources together. Later on, the moment comes, the time comes, and he shares the vision and he says, we've got the resources and we've got everything we need. And this is what God's laid on my heart to rebuild the wall and they say, let's do it, let's go for it. And so this is an amazing story because it's got so much in it for us to think about and learn. And um, it involves some key things, some key principles. It involves prayer. It involves seeking God. It involves repentance. It involves mourning and being realistic. It involves having a vision from God or a passion, if you like. Matt was talking about passions last week. 
a passion for what God wants to do. And Nehemiah had the vision from God. He had all that. And it's a great example, of course, of leadership. Leadership through a man that God had chosen. Sharing the vision as God had given it to him. People catching the vision at the right time. When they saw that God was in it, they had already seen some of the work being implemented. They can see God providing and they began to catch the vision. And it's a great example of teamwork as well as we move on in the, in the chapter. This was an amazing work that was accomplished in just 52 days as God gave them the ability and the resources so to do. Amen. Lord, we thank you that we can look at these books from different parts of the Bible. We thank you that they teach us many things and uh, some of the things that happen there we need to look at and learn from and understand that, that we have the same God and the same Lord and the same ways of working through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray today that we will be encouraged by these words. Sometimes there is a sadness. Sometimes there is a sadness of heart. For many at the moment, as they look around their lives or the world or their communities, there may well be this sadness of heart. And we bring that to you and we confess that. And we ask you, Lord, to come and touch us where we are in that sadness of heart. And yet at the same time, there is a vision and there is a hope and there is a way ahead that we read about in the scriptures so often. And this was one of them. This was rebuilding out of the rubble. This was coming back to something like the glory of the original temple or the original Jerusalem, even though they never got there exactly, but they did get, they did get the wall built and they did get the temple rebuilt. And that was your reconstruction, rebuilding work. And so we pray for the church, our church, churches in Cambridge, churches in London, that we can be involved in rebuilding, rebuilding your people. It's a lot harder than rebuilding a wall, but by God's grace and with God's strength, rebuilding our communities, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.